This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to The Score. score. The Score with Michael Clark. Welcome along to The Score with me, Michael Clark, here on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Glenavonace Danny Wallace joins us for a chat about life at the Lurgan Blues since his move from Warren Point Town. Philip Laurie reflects on his time on the sidelines. He's now back on the score sheet. He picked up his first league goal of the campaign on Tuesday. And there's a new Players Football Association here in Northern Ireland. Journalist Keith Bailey gives us his reaction to that news and we look at a rule change affecting the Irish Cup. It's all coming up right here on The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Yes, it is indeed The Score. Welcome along. Another week has passed and I've had a very well-rested week, I have to say. have enjoyed my time away. First time on a plane in oh, two years, just over that, I think, actually. And it was lovely in cold Christmassy Copenhagen but sure where else would you rather be than back in glorious NI with uh, a weekend of fixtures to look forward to and yes if you're worried I have self-isolated I've had my brain script or PCR tested as they'd rather refer to it and I'm all clear to be out and about loving life again it was all actually really straightforward if I'm being honest but who, frankly who cares about any of that stuff let's talk football there's lots of it to come up and the fixtures in the Danske Bank Premiership happening this weekend to give you a run-through of who plays who. Carrick Rangers are at home against Dungannon Swifts. Cliftonville are against Ballymena United. Coleraine against Linfield. I'll be at that one at the Coleraine showgrounds. I tell you what, it was miserable. It was Baltic. It was blustery and hailstones to the face were they last weekend at Coleraine Cliftonville. But... I saw a man wearing a pair of shorts. And if you are that man listening to this program, are you wise? And are you well following that? Someone said to me there was a couple of people walking around in shorts. How? And I know it's I know it's cool up the north coast, right, from having lived up there. But my goodness, anybody wearing shorts in the weather that I was subjected to when I was like in five layers and near had the face cut off me with hailstones. Wiser chewing grass, I think somebody once said. Corinne Linfield, fingers crossed for better weather and a few goals, but it's a huge game in the title race, naturally. Glenavon against Crusaders at Mournview Park, Glen Torren against Portadown, and Warren Point Town head to Inver Park, where they will face Larne. There's also one game happening on Tuesday, just uh, to make a little note of that, Dungannon Swifts against Warren Point Town. Now, um, let's talk to somebody that used to play for Warren Point Town. Let's get our first guest onto the show. Joining us from Glenavon, it's Danny Wallace. Danny, good to have you on. Thanks very much. Hope you're keeping well. I'm doing very well, thank you. Good to be talking to you. And let's just get straight into it. Did you score midweek or not? (laughs) I 100% scored. Uh, Andy's just been a typical striker, came and everything. At the at the time, I think it was all said. So I told the referee that, yeah, Andy scored it, didn't touch it. But straight <laughs> straight after the match, I ran to him. I was like, Stephen, I've scored it. Put my name down. I haven't scored in a few years. So he just says, I have to watch it back myself. And then in the change room, you know, no one was giving me credit, but I fought my corner. <laughs> That is that's hard going because I'd seen obviously initially on Twitter they said it was you. From all reports, um, you celebrated the goal like you scored it. Yeah, that's how you know I got the final touch. You know, I haven't scored a goal in about two years now, so I was I was I was claiming it, but they don't really know how to celebrate. Um, <laughs> well, Andy being a typical striker, it was me. Uh, that's that's me on 291 goals or something he was saying in a change room. <laughs> I was like, Andy, I haven't even got 10, just give me it. 
I know that is a typical striker. This is how all these forwards have their hundreds of goals, isn't it? Sure, Harry Kane's been doing that as well. Yeah, he's scoring for fun too. He's claiming every nick, isn't he? <laughs> Goes past his fringe. That's one. That's one for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm claiming Mang as a defender. There you go, justice for Danny. We can get the campaign started here properly on uh, on the radio and see who goes for it. Because at the moment, I think the dubious goals panel have it down to Andy, but uh, you never you never know. Um, I suppose, in all seriousness, though, the main thing for yourselves was was just getting the result, and you did that. Yeah, it was, it was a it was a tough tough game on Saturday to take against uh, Linfield. You know, three 0 down at half time, but I think in the second half. Uh, we'll come out and play it much better and Ungannon was a big one for us because if Ungannon had a one you know they would have closed the gap on us and with Balamina Penn Warren Point you know with Warren Point had a one they would have closed the gap so it was very important and you know we were, we were struggling for a few players you know uh, unfortunately Callum had an incident with a family and he had to pull out last minute and uh, Doyler was injured and he wasn't meant to be playing and he just took one for the team and played. Um, so we really needed him that day and it was just a solid performance all around. You know, both teams played good football, which was a wee bit different from what what we are used to playing football. But, you know, we, we had four or five really good chances. Thankfully, we took two and we limited Dungannon to probably one or two chances, which is most pleasing and, of course, a clean sheet. Yeah, which is exactly uh, what you'll be wanting as a defence. Uh, Andrew Doyle, I mean, just sums him up, doesn't it, really? You know, um, always is putting his body in the line, but playing through maybe a bit of a pain barrier there as well to help your team after the this was quite scary circumstances of Colin Burney getting that emergency call just before the game. Yeah, at the time, no one really knew what was going on, sort of until after the game. But, you know, Doyle, he was, from Saturday, he was struggling, his ankle was all swollen out and you know he just few painkillers in him got it strapped up and and fought on but during the match you know I was uh, shooting at him like he was 100% fit and all and he just kept reminding me Danny I'm I'm injured here (laughs) I I was sort of like calming down but you know you know he fought through it and thankfully again we got the result and and he played really well It must be a boost as well to have James Singleton back in the team he's had a tough time with injury yeah, it is. It's great to be getting these players back. Uh, you know, we've had a few injuries over the course of the season, and you know, Singleton he had a few. He had a minor problem. I think it was like the third or fourth game of the season, and the physio and the doctors couldn't really get to the bottom of it. So they were just saying rest, rest up, and he's been training the past few weeks, but he still wasn't really a hundred percent, and. You know, the other night he, he he slotted in like he was never away and I was quite happy too because I've been stuck at a left back for a number <laughs> of games and it's not my usual position but um yeah it was good to have him back that's another body back and hopefully he can stay fit for the future. Yeah, you've been uh, Touchwood, you know, and ever present really throughout the season so far. What's that been like being moved around? Because you know you, you go to a new club and supporters are getting. You're still a new player, and I think you've been getting pretty good reviews, I have to say, Danny, not trying to swell your head up too big here. But then to hear, oh, he's actually been out of position for a good bit of that. Um, Yeah, it's one of them. Like, every player has their favourite position, but you know, everyone just wants to play, so they'll play anywhere for the team. Um, Thankfully, I've been lucky enough to play most minutes, you know, and all with the quality we have in the team, like, I've, I've been surprised. Because when when it came to the club, there was Stafford, Hockey, Doyle, Bernie, all these quality players, Singleton, left back, you know, and it, it was always a uphill struggle uh, when I was coming to the club, but I just got my head there and worked hard. Thankfully, I was lucky enough not to get injured pre season or during the season, and, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I've been playing well, but, you know, we've been solid at the back, I know. Results haven't shown that way, but I think everyone has uh, been playing solid, whether that that is me at left-back or or centre-back. I'm just happy enough to be playing anywhere. 
Yeah, well, you, you keep getting picked, so you're definitely doing something right. Um, just on the start of the season, everyone's saying about you know how competitive the league is, but you know a, a club like Glenavon certainly doesn't want to be in the bottom half, understandably. So has it been frustrating for you, uh, you know, as as players? Yeah, it's been very frustrating. Uh, we, we had high hopes going into the season, you know, and then unfortunately against a Carrick, we, we, we had a very, very poor result. And that sort of uh, damned the spirits in the, in the camp because no one turned up. And then, of course, the Danny Perkins saga didn't really help us. And, you know, he's, he was a quality striker. Um, and not, he was... And then Fitzy was the main striker for the season, and Andy was sort of a backup role playing again and again. But unfortunately, he left, and you know, injuries haven't really helped. You know, Hawking's been out since the second or third game you know, of the season. Stafford's had a few injuries, um, got a red card. Um, Andy Hall's been out injured, Connor McCluskey has been, been out injured, so it's just. A variety of things have have happened because Glenavon are normally in the top six, and probably for the past few seasons have sort of dropped down to the bottom six. But you know, with the more full time clubs, you want to be up fighting in the top six instead of at the bottom six. Yeah, uh, well, it makes sense. You want to be, and I suppose you still have plenty of time if you get players back from injury and you finally get, you know, a consistent starting eleven. Um, that would be a big boost, so you can start to form those partnerships. Yeah, that's it. That I think consistency is key. But you know, I don't think maybe two or three games of the season will have the same team plan, and it is frustrating because you're building up those new relationships. Certainly for myself, because I'm oh, new to the change room and I'm still getting used to all the players and other new players coming in. They're getting used to the uh, relationships on the pitch. And, uh, I'm Gary very frustrated too because there's been little niggly injuries that have disrupted everything. So, you know, it has been a, a more down season than up. But as you said, there is a plenty of time and the season left to climb up the table and get points on the board and get into that top six. I have to ask you, and this is a bit cruel of me, right? So you can tell me where to go in a second. But I was at the game uh, where you scored a wonderful goal for Glenavon, but unfortunately you weren't a Glenavon player at that stage. I was just wondering if any of your, you know, well, I say new teammates, you've been with them for half a season now, but I wonder if any of them give you any stick when you signed and when you came in. Yeah, there was there was plenty, you know, any time any time I say, like I haven't scored for Glen Avon yet, they're always going, Should you score last season that wonder goal? You know, it's a bit, you know, frustrating because you know, at the time one point player and it was just a a freak goal if if I tried it a million times again it, it probably wouldn't happen. Uh, but don't worry, a load of the boys have been giving me stick about that goal anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I heard some people say it was, you know, it was a work of art. It was what what happened there? Was it just literally swinging about at it, and somehow it whips in like inch perfect? Yeah, I was just. <laughs> I remember. I can't remember who crossed it, but it was running back in the cover for the centre half. Who went out to the left back area? But I, I didn't adjust my body right, and I just. Swung a leg at it, hopefully going over the bar. <laughs> and as soon as I left my foot, I was going for the top corner, and I, I couldn't believe it. And at half time, uh, Barry was saying it was a freaking goal. You can't do nothing about it. And I was still like shocked that went in because it was just I'll never score a better goal in my life. <laughs> Well, I hope you do. I hope you do because it's one of those things you can laugh at it now. I'm sure at the time it wasn't nice because own goals never are. But um, it's if if anyone listening hasn't seen it, um, you know, it's it probably is worth checking out because you have to see it to believe it. Certainly that night when I was on commentary, I thought it's actually a really good goal, but um, you can't really say that. Uh, <laughs> looking back at your time at Warren Point, uh, what was it? Four seasons there. How did you find it? Yeah, four seasons. Yeah, I love every minute of it. To be honest, uh, you know, before I joined them, uh, I had a, a season, a spell at Balamina, and, you know, I, I was playing 
half of the season and I really enjoyed it. Then I went back to Linfield and it didn't really. I just didn't want to be here because I, wasn't, I knew I wasn't going to play. So thankfully, you know, one point came in and Matthew Tipton at the time just gave me a chance. And it was, I just took that opportunity with two hands. And funny enough, the first game was against Glen Avon and I think we could be like 4-2 four, four or something. <laughs> So it wasn't the best start of career and I was doing left back and you know, as the season went on I sort of went in the centre half because there was a few injuries and you know I just made that position moan for four seasons. Um I worked under uh Matthew Tippin, Steve McDonald and Barry Gray, like three completely different managers, three different philosophies. And it was good to get that at balance because some games under Stephen McDonald, I was playing like left wing back or left of a back three or left back or centre back. So I was adopting the game while I was playing. And then under Barry, it was, you know, on the left of the back three the first time he came in, you know, when we were struggling at the mm-hmm. time because we had a, a load of players left it and unfortunately Steve McDonald loses, lost his job. You know, and we were down the bare bones. I think I was like, the second oldest in the team and I was only I was only 25 at the time and everyone was younger so it was tough but you know I enjoyed it uh, you know I've been back two seasons or two games already this season and thankfully we've came away with six points but the the people around the club you know I still have a chat with them still get on get on with them even enjoy a wee beer after them after the match with them but um, when I joined the club it was it's night and day, how different it is. When I joined it, it was just just a small, a small Irish league club, but I think it's uh, it's grown and grown every season. The the investment uh, from from Delhi Lakes are are really trying to improve it as a club and for the community. And that's the thing too, people. Probably, if you support it, you know one of the typical big clubs. If you want to sort of call it that in the Irish league, you don't realise how hard teams that get into the league have to fight and scrap and claw just to even remain in it before they can grow. Yeah, that's it. It, it is. It was. I was always in every season before before the season started. We were we were planning right what we're going to do this season, but at the end, if you stayed in the league, that was. I was like winning the league for one point of all the people involved with the club, volunteers who've been there years when they were down in the middle, so like they didn't care. As long as you give one hundred percent and you stayed in the league, I was I was them and happy and as I said it because of consistently being in it for four or five years now. Uh, they want they want the next level, maybe probably pushing towards safety earlier on. Instead of coming into the last five games of the split, they probably want safety of around the 30th game mark. And then hopefully over the next few seasons, they could push for Europe. You know, that's, that's a pipe dream. But, you know, people are talking about that. And, you know, with a game of the sale with investment, the Dally Lights, you know, Barry's bringing in good players. There's there. He has knowledge of the League of Ireland bringing in quality players. Um, it's just a club going up. It's probably not at this moment in time um, at the bottom of the table, but you know, there's still a long way in the season to go, and I and I think I think they will be okay. Well, and they got their win last weekend against Carrick Rangers. You know, the the first win since the opening game of the season for Warren Point, a long time coming. And now, what, two points behind Portadown with the game in hand, three points behind Dungannon. So, you know, a, a wee bit of turn in fortune, maybe. I know they were uh, on the, the wrong side, edged out by Balamina. But uh, there's, a, there's a long way to go before anything can be judged. So uh, you never know. What's really nice, Danny, I have to say, listen, just to, you talk about your former club, is the affection you clearly still hold for them because, you know, players sometimes spend a few years at a club and then get a move to, you know, a good move for yourself, a move to a bigger team, and you could easily just sort of forget about that side that, that helped you out for a few important years of your career, but clearly not the case. Oh, definitely not. Uh, as I said before, they give me a chance to play week in, week out in the Irish League, and always I just, I know the travelling wasn't the best at times, three times a week, four times a week, you know, but 
it's made me the player I am today. And like I know uh, loads of people still working at the club, and I still talk with them, and I always always thank them for everything they've done because they do they look after you because they want the best for your the best for you and the best for Warren Point, of course. Um, and yeah, and, you know, I still I still do go for some of the results. Uh, uh, at the weekend after after our games, but I don't look. Uh, I always look forward to playing them to get one over on them. Just that's the way I am. I'm just thinking about the traveling down. Uh, am I right to guess Fran McCaffrey would probably be involved in that carpool? Oh yes, uh, <laughs> probably be certainly involved in that carpool. You know, I've had many different carpool partners over the years. You know, Shana was the first one. Uh-huh. He's a kid more now. And then we made Conor McGrandall at ours. And then Fra for a few years. Yeah, so we've had we've had a good few journeys <laughs> down. And a few good journeys home, yeah. So it, it it's been it, I'm I'm far grateful for the journey now to Glen Avon because it's only like twenty minutes. <laughs> and that's probably just on your own at this stage, is it now that you're actually near the club? Uh no. I, I'm a fit Matthew Fitzpatrick and Jackie Brown, but yeah, I don't drive, so they do all the driving for me. Oh, flip left it and laid. You've got it handy now. Uh, what's what's that car like compared to some of the others? Is it is it a more sensible bunch or not at all? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, it's a bit, a bit more sensible, but um, you know, we're still we're still getting to know each other uh, <laughs> because I, I I knew I knew the other ones before. But yeah, more sensible. There's, there's not much carry on the way home because it's it's a, it's a shorter journey. <laughs> well, this is true. I know because the the long drives. Um, gosh, I'm sure you have some stories that aren't fit for radio on those long drives. But I can only imagine the the dodgy karaoke at the very least. Oh, definitely. There's many dodgy karaoke after <laughs> a good a good a good win and a sometimes a, an hour and a half journey home in the car. I'll tell you what, he'll thank me for this, but if you ever are in a, a long drive with Sean Ward, he's a lovely singer. Not really. Um, <laughs> you'll maybe see that come out at some stage. I'm not sure if there's any good chanters in the in the Glenavon changing room, but um, just on the, the guys there, because as you say, obviously it's been a tough start to the season. Um, everyone can sort of see that. You're, you're hoping now that maybe with that we win um, in your last out and that that can help bounce you on. But I'm just wondering about the, the characters in the changing room um, sort of threw you out. Everything going on in the world. It's not like you can go out and socialise the same extent uh, you know, as, as you could have done arriving when you arrived at Warren Point or something like that. But um, how have you found everybody in, in your time at the club so far? Yeah, everyone's been really helpful and supportive you know I didn't really play with much players in a gene room briefly with Andrew Doyle Arne Harmon and Andy Wardy Hockey and Stafford mm-hmm. um, briefly but everyone was you know very friendly and all at the start I was I was still getting used to it so it was a wee bit quieter um, but everyone has been really nice dead on uh, took me as soon as I went into the club, and oh, even even the staff as well. So I had to get used to the staff as well. But it's it's a very very friendly club, and you know it's 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 different. But I, I think I finally settled in after a few months. Well, that is that is good to hear. I, I know just from speaking to other players at different clubs that the bedding in period it's just so different. It's not like you can have. The, the same sort of get-togethers, you know, with different restrictions that we've had at all the times. Uh, just finally, Danny, looking at the, the fixtures for December, my goodness, uh, any, any easy games? I don't think so. Uh, for Glenavon, you've got Crusaders, obviously, on Saturday. Then the week after, you're against Cole Rainbow for those home games. Then you're away to Glen Torren, away to Crusaders, and then you've got the Mid-Ulster Derby away to Portadown. Yeah, it's, it's a tough month. But you know that that's what the the league's all about over the past few years. It's get tougher and tougher every year, and teams are uh, bringing in more quality from not just the league but down south in England. And that's the games you want to be playing in every week. The the tough games, and you know we we haven't played Crusaders, so again on Saturday 
they're up near the top and have been for the past five, six, seven years and they're a quality outfit. And Coleraine, the same, they've been up at the top for a number of years. Glen Thorne, the, the, the full-time setup, they're getting stronger and better. And of course you have the, the Derby, anything can happen in the Derby, as you've seen, first game of the season, last minute, Borough Down take the lead and we we're lucky enough to score in the, the last second. A great free kick, but as players we're looking forward to the game and the games and you know, will not will not make it uh easy for anyone home or away. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a great run in the games. I'm sure it won't feel easy for the fans watching them as well because uh, there's plenty plenty at stake there, a chance to climb up the table potentially. And then the, the, the Derby game, which obviously we don't have Boxing Day matches this year because it falls on a Sunday, so they're on the, the 27th for anyone that hasn't figured that out yet. But uh, Derby game is always one to look forward to. So um, I'm sure you'll you'll enjoy that, your first uh, festive Derby game at uh, the Lurgan Blues, that one at Shamrock Park, obviously, uh, as well. But Danny, look, I really appreciate you coming on to the score. It's been it's been really good having you on. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. The score with Michael Clark. So uh, there you go, a bit of a Glenavon perspective on things. Their opponents this weekend are Crusaders, and as if by magic, joining us now from Crusaders Football Club. A warm welcome to Philip Laurie. Philip, how are you? Very well, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's good to talk to you. It's good to talk to you as well, and a good week for it. You got your first league goal of the season, opened the account, and I'm sure a few more to come. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a bit of a nightmare season for me, to be honest. Probably uh, probably been at my lowest point, probably mentally, from uh, when I started playing football. Just obviously um, quite a significant bad injury against Larne early on. Uh, or sorry, late on last season in the semi-final of the Irish Cup, uh, it's like getting too technical. Basically, had a, a terrible kind of tear um, between my groin and stomach area. So uh, obviously, a lot of scans, a lot of input from a lot of different people, uh, physios, personal trainers, and seeing all sorts of people. When all you really want to do is just be on the on the pitch playing, not having to worry about any of that. But as I said it's been a slow process. I initially, came back uh, kind of around September time and played a few games in the League Cup and County Antrim I just to be honest I just didn't really feel myself and I'll take a step back out again and uh, do a bit more rehab and finally getting sort of back to feeling like myself again and uh, you know I'm sort of ebbing away at the reserve games and now I'm getting 30-40 minutes here and there for the first team so good to get back and when you score a goal it obviously spurs you on a wee bit and gives you a bit more confidence so good to get off the mark in the league on, on Tuesday night. And it must be such a, a difficult thing you know football <laughs> for everybody it's a release especially everything that's been going on in the world in the last year to getting out to football is everybody's bit of normality and then for you as a player playing in the you know the one of the top teams in the country to, to be out on the sidelines injured it's just horrible yeah it's, it is horrible and uh, I think the hardest thing with this injury is you know I've had broken bones in the past and you break a bone and you get an x-ray and they tell you it'll heal in six weeks, whereas this, there was just no time scale. Um, so you just, I couldn't really see any light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, you're aware of the ages, the ages or the years are creeping on. Obviously, <laughs> I, I still feel young and fit, but when you get to the other side of 30, you're sort of thinking, gosh, I don't really have long left here and you want to kind of see her every moment and, and you're bang on what you said about, um, you know, football being a release. That's why we play the game. It's, it can get you away from everything that's going on in, in the world these days, which seems crazy. So, uh, but obviously it's been, uh, it's, I'm still feeling involved. Obviously I've been training in the background and, uh, there's nothing like joining in with your teammates and getting involved in the band there again. And, and that's what, that's what you'll probably miss the most when you start playing. So you just need to save her, I suppose. And I have been, uh, the last couple of months. And because of the type of injury it is by the sounds of it as well, it's that intangible aspect that makes it so mentally draining because, you know, you want to be back out there and playing as soon as possible and then your body's going, well, maybe not, and you're having to try and guess a little bit what's the right answer. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, you know, if it was 10, 15 years ago, you'd probably tear on and, and hope for the best. And But I've learned to get a bit smarter over the years <laughs> with injuries and, uh, you know, your body's got a, a great a great way of telling you that something's not right. And that's, I just felt that, you know, every time I kept trying to come back, it just, it just didn't feel good. And, uh, Obviously, there's uh, the advances now in uh, 
you know, science and PTs and uh, sports scientists and physiotherapists. You just have to take as much advice from as many, you know, people on the know as you can. And I've been doing that. And um, fitness ways, I've probably at the fittest point I've been in a long time just because I've been putting so much work into it and uh, you just want to see um, you know a reward for that and and, that, and a wee win like uh, Tuesday night and getting on the score sheet certainly boosts the confidence. Yeah that's a reward and it's something you can I'm sure uh, feel plenty more times throughout the season. Uh, just last question about your fitness then do you feel 100% or is there still that wee niggle in, in your mind sometimes? I mean speaking as you said you've broken bones, speaking as someone that's broken bones I know that even long after the bone was healed mentally there's still a wee part of your brain goes am I okay? Is it the same with your injury? Yeah I mean there's always that with any injury especially I think you know between I think I'd done the injury maybe early May was the semi-final and we're now coming into Christmas time yeah. so it's been a long while and uh Obviously, when you've came back once and had a setback, then it always is in your head. But uh, you just got to be mentally tough. And uh, as I said, your body's got a great way of telling you what's what's going on with it. And so far, it's been it's been all okay. But uh, as I said, I just can't take my off the ball with all that sort of the hard work that goes on in the background as well as training with the team. So I'll just have to keep going with that and, and trust the process. And uh, you said there's always going to be a, a, a wee bit of doubt in the back of your mind, but. Uh, Hopefully there's better light at the end of the tunnel here and I've been getting more and more minutes under the belt and feeling a lot better. So uh, hopefully I kick on now, you know, post-Christmas period and have a strong, strong finish to the season. When you talk about, you know, uh, life after 30, uh, someone that's found a lot of form plenty of times after the 30s and certainly is in a good uh, vein of form at the minute, Paul Heatley on the on the score sheet a few times in recent weeks um, and uh, probably after a bit of a frustrating start to the season for Paul because he was getting chances and unlike him not scoring them. Yeah, and that's just that's Paul. He, he'll always uh, he'll always keep going to the well, so to say. He, he never shy away from from you know going into those positions and and creating the chances for himself. And uh, you're right in what you say there. I think at the start of the season he was probably just putting himself under a bit too much pressure. He was snatching at chances and uh, chances were going to begging. But I think he's just he's relaxed a little bit in the, in, in recent weeks and he's just realised he's he's Paul Heatley basically, and he can <laughs> you know he he will score twenty to thirty goals a season no matter. No matter what, just with his with his energy and his pace to get in behind teams and uh, his goal on Tuesday night, he he seems to have a bit of struck up a bit of a relationship with Ben Kennedy, who's been superb this year, obviously. And uh, Ben's got that sort of range of passing in his repertoire, and when you've got the runs of Paul, um, you know it's a it's a valuable tool for us, and uh, used it to good effect the last couple of weeks. I was having to explain to Ben uh, recently that when he plays as well as he is, he has to get more used to doing interviews. I don't think he really enjoys them still. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's uh, uh, no. I've been actually speaking to him. He's been uh, he's been a bit of a darling this year in the, in the Crusaders <laughs> team, but uh, he's been absolutely superb. Uh, I think when he came maybe last year, he he probably just took a wee bit of time to adapt. And uh, but this year, towards the end of last year, I suppose he he sort of showed glimpses of that quality. And then this year, he's just reached a new level, and uh, he's been superb. And for me, he's, he's been uh, the standout, uh, one of if not the standout player in the league. So far, um, he seems to have everything. You know, he's left, right foot, set paces. He can score all sorts of different goals, and he's a joy to watch when he's in that sort of form. He definitely is, and, and certainly, you know, when you watch highlights back and, and the way they're, they're cut down to a few minutes, you just seem to keep hearing his name, which is always a good sign if you're a creative player because it shows you're always on the ball and, and always, you know, looking to make something happen. And so many times this year, he, he's been able to do that. Yeah, exactly, and then, and you're you're right in what you say there. He seems to be in the thick of everything for us. He's hitting all the set pieces, penalties, uh, albeit as as he's still getting a bit of stick for his one against Limfield <laughs> that day. But uh, he more than made up for it, obviously, with a goal. But as you say, he's, he's kind of become a bit of a talisman for us this year. He's uh, kind of playing a few different positions. Um, you know, advanced number ten or off the other wing, and he seems to be able to play all all positions equally as well. So that bodes well as well. The the main aim for Ben now, I'm sure, is just to keep doing what he's doing and, and knuckle down. Obviously, he's, he's signed a new contract and he seems happy here. So, uh, long may it continue for, for Crusaders and, and, and their fans. I guess that penalty was a sign of his confidence and fairness, the little Panenka. Uh, it didn't pay off, but as you say, uh, he made up for it. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, Sean O'Neill runs the fines committee and I think he made his way <laughs> in the book after that penalty. So, uh, a bit of a hefty fine, but... Uh, no, it just shows the, the measure of the man and the confidence he's got at the moment. He's, uh, he's absolutely flying. I always find it fascinating just observing different types of players because it seems like 
you know, at Crusaders, he's one of the guys that, you know, needs maybe a bit strong, but an arm around the shoulder sometimes, because you could see he was really disappointed in himself after that penalty. But watching on the encouragement his teammates gave him, because, you know, we, we've all been at football games at any level, we talk about amateur football or anything, where someone's missed a penalty and the whole team's gone, stuff him. Uh, you know, which sometimes <laughs> is how you feel. But it seemed, you know, everyone made sure he felt the love and then he, he repaid it. Yeah, and that's that's probably sums sums Ben up. You know, he's a he's a very well liked guy in the change room. He's a great character, and uh, and I think the players are kind of looking towards him now as their as their kind of go to. You know, um, to create something and to make something happen. And you're right, in what you said there. He did he did seem down after that penalty. I think he was just and in, in, in shock, and he just wanted to do so well. And then when he missed it, he was he was kind of you know stunned. But as it just summed him up, his goal and he just kept Chris Johns like he did. Um, and obviously he had us a massive three points that day. Just shows the measure of the man. And uh, you know, he, if he keeps going the way he is, he could hit big figures and goals and assists this season, and that'll only bode well for for the team. Sometimes I feel like I sound like a broken record because every season I go, my goodness, it's so competitive this year. My goodness, it's so competitive this year. <laughs> but my goodness, it's so competitive this year. You you look at the top six, and you know, a couple of weeks you could go from heroes to villains or vice versa. Yeah, probably a case in point there was Glenn Torn. I was looking at the table the other day and you know, they were baying for Mick McDermott's head, the fans, I think, a couple of weeks ago and now uh you know, if they had a beat Corian on Tuesday night, I don't know exactly where they would have been, but I'm I'm sure they would have been within a win or one yeah, game. They would have been uh, a from point Cliftonville. Oh, they would have been a yeah. point behind Cliftonville, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you are. So um that just shows you. Um and that's probably the frustration from our part as well. Um Obviously, we're still in there and we're hanging on coattails, but just uh, we just seem to be, you know, brilliant one week and then maybe follow that up with not so good a performance the way we did against Balamina. And uh, you know, it, it's probably down to whoever now can can show a bit of consistency. But the way the league is, I don't think that's really a possibility as such. You know, it used to be, you know, seven eight years ago, you could maybe have strong. 10 wins on, on the bounce, but I just think with the quality uh, and the strength of, you know, the top four, five, six teams now, I don't really think it's possible to put, you know, 10 wins together. It's, you might go 10 unbeaten, but you definitely won't win 10 games in a row. So uh, it makes for an exciting title race. And uh, as far as we're concerned, I suppose you just use the old cliche of taking one game at a time. And that obviously starts with Glenavon uh, tomorrow in a, in a massive game. It is so <laughs> so funny looking at it because I felt that as well, uh, you know, interviewing people, speaking to managers and players, and you feel like, gosh, maybe I'm being a bit harsh at times because a team challenging for a title dropping points can be, you know, a, a big deal. But at the same time, you're going, well, who's a bad team to drop points against nearly? You know, it's very difficult to answer that question when you look at how close everybody seems to be. Yeah, I mean, we've played, we've played, obviously all teams have played each other now and some have played each other twice. And uh, I have to say, I couldn't really, obviously Corian gave us a bit of a paste in uh, a watch that game from the stands that night when they beat us 2 or 3 nil, I think it was. And, uh, you know, that they were the sort of team I thought that day looked the most polished. But then, and then, you know, Linfield have gone on a bit of a run now and they're suddenly above Corian, uh, if not maybe level on points, uh, I'm not exactly sure. So it just shows how quickly it can change. Larne obviously had defeated us uh, at Inver Park as well, and then they seem to have you know gone on a bit of a stuttering run of form. So this will continue, I'd, I'd imagine, right until uh, the end of the season. And as I said, there's just there's so little between all the teams now. And even you know the teams at the bottom, you just have to look at our result against Balmina last week. And Balmina have also beaten... You know, Linfield and Cliftonville in recent months as well. So uh, it's just, I suppose it's just a typical Irish league season where uh, nothing's really guaranteed for anyone anymore. And you know, David Jeffrey has come under probably an undue amount of flack at times. I know you can say you know, if you lose eight of 15 games, it's not great, but they're up to seventh in the league now. And as you point out, they, they've picked up wins against big teams. It's the, the teams below them that they've struggled against and football can just be frustrating <laughs> at the best of times, can't it? Because if it was all logical, we wouldn't watch it. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, uh, I was speaking to David recently. He was doing commentary at one of the games and, uh, you know, that he'll never make excuses, but I'd probably make them for him. He's just had so many injuries. Um, uh, I know that Balamina... They've just been sort of ravaged. Even their new signings, they're probably all really excited to see David Parkhouse hit the ground running and he goes and does his knee in the first game. So, um, 
you know, everyone, uh, everyone, every team, I'm sure, needs their best players on the pitch if they want to have a successful season. And, and I'm sure if, if you ask the Bayern Munich fan what their best performances have been this year, it's when they've got their best players out there. Um, and that goes for all the teams, I, I'm sure. So um, I'm sure there'll be a lot more twists and turns before the end of the season and points being taken off um, each other. And I know all, obviously all the teams down the bottom, you look at, you just have to look at Carrick as well. Um, under Stuart King this season, they've been taking points you know, off everyone. Obviously, by all accounts, had hard luck against um, Lenfield on Tuesday night. So the days of a sort of give me three points are, are long gone now. And every game um, is, is a real, you have to, if you're not on it, you won't get three points. And that's just the way it is. And that's why we love it so much. Uh, you look at December and uh, it's always a month where people that have been there and done it look to, I think, rather than uh, the rest of us that get carried away after one or two games, you start to go, right, where are we around Christmas time and, and where, can we, where can we move from here? And you look through the month and uh, some, some tasty fixtures in there, as there always is, uh, starting with Glenavon away this weekend. Yeah, um, you're, you're right there. Christmas time kind of... Is a, is, it's a key time, really. Um, you tend to find that a lot of the teams that, that's starting to already happen this week are sort of start playing each other um, more frequently, and you can get a bit of a picture of, you know, how things are going going to be going into the turn towards the last kind of third of the season. But um, from Crusaders' perspective, obviously Glenavon tomorrow. Um, I'm sure fans of both clubs would agree <laughs> they're always end to end throwing encounters, especially at, at Moorview Park. Um, since I've been at uh, Crusaders the last five and a half years. Every time we play there, it seems to be a bit like an NBA game where you know one team just shoots and then the other team takes its turn. So uh, we're hoping that won't be the case tomorrow and be a bit more controlled. But they're always thrillers and there's always a bit of needle um, between the two teams for whatever reason. So I'm sure it'll be the same tomorrow. And they're obviously coming off the back of a of a decent result against Dungannon. So uh, it's probably one of the most you know difficult away fixtures in the league going away to they Glenavon and I'm not expecting it to be any different tomorrow. You're going to see plenty of them, aren't you? Because you've got them again um, as a midweek game, Wednesday, just before Christmas, 22nd of December at Seaview. And then you have been drawn against them now in the Irish Cup, as we know. Yeah, uh, you're right. That's the rearranged game before Christmas. And then uh, I'll just keep an eye on the draw today. And uh, that's one thing uh, since I've been at the club, we never seem to get the easy draw, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, I remember winning it a couple of years back. We kind of played everyone on the route to the final. Last year, we had a, I think we beat Corian, Glenn Torn, and maybe another Premier League team, Balamina, maybe on the way to the on the way to the semi final as well. So uh, it's obviously it's it's a tough draw. It's probably you know in the top four or five hardest draws you could want. But again, I'm sure they don't want to play us, and they'll be looking at it with the same kind of attitude that it's a difficult game for both teams. So. Uh, they say it'd be a nice wee break from the league, I'm sure, by that stage as well. And the Irish Cups, it's been a competition that's been good to me over the years. and Hopefully we can get through that and get a decent draw in the, in the second round. After last year's Irish Cup and, and all the, the heartache that went there, um, you sometimes wonder if football, these wee stories, do they write themselves? You know, Is that just the extra motivation as if you needed any? Uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> it's a bit of a... It was a bit of a, a madness that day, um, and uh, I suppose when you look back in hindsight, the ref was just strictly, you know, applying the letter of the law, and we unfortunately seemed to be on the it. But uh, you certainly still doesn't make you feel any less hard done by, and uh, I suppose it would be nice this year if we could put it right, um, you know, and try and go one better and get to the final. But uh, as we were just discussing there about the league, you know, there's so many good teams now, and. Just looking at the draw, basically all the Premiership teams have avoided each other bar ourselves in Glenavon, so you can expect to see Barney upsets, obviously, a lot of them in the next next round as well. So, uh, oh, but I always feel the Crusaders on a, on a one-off game or, or a team that nobody would want to play if we're on it, and uh, certainly we'll be looking at that whenever we're going to play Glenavon in the first round. And just last one uh, for me, you said earlier on this season, you know, I think it, it suits Crusaders, I'm paraphrasing, but something along the lines of it, it suits Crusaders if everybody writes us off, we can just go about our business quietly. Um, th- that's quite a true statement, isn't it? Because people uh, do criticise, do scrutinise all the all the teams, especially a team that's been winning the league. I'm just wondering as a player, w- what's that been like, maybe being on the end of a bit more of the scrutiny, you know, as a as a collective than what you have been in previous years? 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you, you just kind of have to be bang on it now, I suppose. And uh, we are obviously under a lot more scrutiny, haven't had the success that we've had the last sort of six or seven years. Obviously, the league campaigns the last two or three years have been really disappointing. We've kind of we've kind of started well and then coming into the crucial period around Christmas and the turn of the new year, we seem to have sort of stuttered and then fallen away and then actually finished well. Um, so a problem for us probably is just making sure that we get this middle third um, of the season kneeled down and, and get a renewed sort of focus and determination um, to take points off the, off the teams in and around us and then obviously keep chipping away with the wins um, at, the te- at the teams that are down at the bottom of the table. But um, it, it's really just a simple mantra for us. We really just need to try and get a, get a bit more consistency and take one game at a time. And I think if we play to our strengths and play the way we know we can, we're, we're certainly a match for anyone. And we've, we've already proved that this season. It's just a, a matter of um, repeating that on a consistent basis and getting a run together. I've really enjoyed talking to you and I'm delighted to see you out in the pitch because it, it's terrible seeing any player out injured but uh, just hearing what it means to you to be back as well I'm sure will give the Cruise fans all the extra reason to give you a nice big rousing ovation the next time uh, you take to the pitch at the weekend but uh, for now Philip thanks very much for coming onto the show Cheers Michael top man thank you The Score with Michael Clark. You might have heard the news released earlier this week about a new Players Football Association that has been set up here in Northern Ireland looking after the Premiership and the Championship in the men's game and the women's Premiership as well. What will that mean for players here? Well, it's been backed by Fifth Pro and um, they are the global representative of pro footballers and the NIPFA has been holding discussions with the IFA and NIFL trying to help our players here in Northern Ireland, helping us dissect that news and to look ahead to some of the other interesting things going on in the world of local football is journalist Keith Bailey. Keith, it is good to have you back on the show. Always good to be here, Michael. So uh, talk to us about this. A Players Football Association, not a new idea, something that happens in uh, other associations in the UK and indeed the Republic of Ireland, but we haven't had one. Why now? Well, I think it's long overdue. Um, there was an association, a similar association, uh, in the, in the 90s that it kind of faded away through time. Um, and obviously, this is now an idea that's been on the cards. It's been talked about for well over two years now, uh, and finally, it, it's come to fruition thanks to the hard work of of Michael Carville and a few other uh, of his his close friends, like Sir Richard Clark of of Balmallard United's involved. Um, and I, I think it's a fantastic idea. It, it's long overdue that our players, our league players, have some form of representation at the top table and, and have an organisation that, that can interact with the likes of, of NIFL and with the IFA and with other with other associations. Uh, it's important we see the great work that uh, the PFA does in England. Now, the Northern Ireland version will never be anything like as wealthy as that, just due to the wages of the the players that, that will be participating on it will be a, a smaller body than that, but they can certainly um, they can certainly have an impact and they can certainly represent players um, at the top table. I mean, I think one of the things that really stands out to me over the last the last couple of years is is of course the, the break that we had during COVID and then coming back in and and how players were you know probably the most were the most affected by that. Of course, fans couldn't attend many games, but you know, players had to go through testing um, to play in things like the the Irish Cup semi-finals and final at that time, and, and there was a lot of confusion about you know how how players would get changed. And last year was a really difficult time for players. Um, and, and during that, you know, I know the players were consulted at various points, but there wasn't as such an official body for the likes of Niffle or the IFA to go to, to to have a conversation with. And I think that forming this organization in circumstances like that and let's hope that we don't have any more circumstances like that but if if there was something about this arise again having the the nipfa there i think will be a fantastic thing and gets the players um a real voice at the top table where it's needed most and it can always be the case can't it that it's difficult to speak out on your own about something whereas if you're able to raise that and have a an association do it for you there's maybe a bit it's a bit easier for you as an individual and there might be a bit more cut through as well because it's a representative body. Well, this is it. I mean, I think what it does is it gives players a structured voice. You know, we all, we hear sometimes about 
a certain player will go to the media and say this on an issue. Another player may go to the media and say something else, and, and maybe the you know it isn't clear exactly what the players as a unit might think. Well, this gives them the opportunity to to have a say and to have a a viewpoint. Um, you know, there's there's big issues coming up that will that will be discussed in the next year. You know, summer football is always always knocking about. I think it's very important that. The players have a voice in that discussion with summer football because it, it immediately impacts their lives more so than it would do a fan or it would do the directors of a of a football club. Um, again, you know, all Ireland League. I think that's that's probably remains very unlikely. But you know, if that discussion was to come around again in the future, of course, players of Irish League clubs will be massively impacted in that in terms of travel or you know just just what. It, the different elements of it will will, uh, will impact upon them. So it's important that they have a voice in those big conversations. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's always, we can never rule out the prospect of there being financial problems at clubs and clubs perhaps in the future not being able to, to pay wages. You know, we've seen that in the past, so we can't rule out happening again in the future. You know, when that's happened at clubs, maybe those players, they've, they've dealt directly with their board, um, this might provide, you know, a layer of uh, a bit of a buffer between maybe the changing room and the boardroom, um, and help uh, get the players some professional uh, advice and professional guidance. So I think it's a really positive thing. The pandemic has probably brought a lot more of these issues to the fore in many ways. Contracts and there was question marks about that and. Because of the strange circumstances, if you go all the way back to last year, where we're going, well, technically players are out of contract, but their season hasn't finished, what happens here? And all these different little variables that were thrown up start to make you realise, where do I go for help? Um, and, and do you think that's what's ignited this, or, or has it been going on even longer than that, the, the rumblings for a Players Football Association? I mean, I think players have been frustrated for over a decade that they haven't had. Um, the voice that they feel that they should have had, but it's always it, it always would have taken someone to put their their head above the parapet and actually organise something. And uh, I think Michael Carville has done that um, with the help of a few others. So I really hope that he gets the support that he deserves from from the the players from ar- around the league. Um, I, I want to say that I mean it's not just the Premiership; it's the Championship players would be would be eligible as well, and I believe um, also the the uh, the Danzig Bank Women's Premiership players would also um, be able to, to participate in this union. I think that's a really important thing. Um, so I just hope it gets the the support that it deserves from uh, from the players in this country. I wonder if they would consider extending it further. You know, would PIL players feel a little bit left out here that they're not being represented uh, based on the reports that we've seen so far? Well, yeah, I mean, you touched upon something there that the reports that we've read is that it would be for Premiership and Championship players. I, I don't see any reason why PAL players couldn't join. I think there's maybe, this is, as you said, this is backed by Fifth Pro and it's really for professional players. Um, obviously, a lot of the majority of players in both the PIL and the Championship are amateur. So I, I, I think they couldn't join. Oh, you probably need to ask Michael about that for a little bit more clarity. But um, obviously, if it's professionals only, that does limit um, how how many PIL players could be involved. But there are some professional players in the PIL, so they could join. And again, the championship. I mean, I think there's around fifty or sixty professionals um, across the twelve clubs. Um, when I say professional, incidentally, just for anyone who doesn't know, that doesn't mean full time professional. It just means somebody who is paid um, a wage to to pay football to play football. Um, so yeah, again. There would be some PIL players that would be, would be qualified. Quite a few championship players, although obviously nothing like all of them, and then the majority of premiership players. So, yeah, it would certainly be be open to uh, players from, from all three divisions, I would think. We look forward to having Michael Carvel on the programme. Um, he'll be on in the, uh, the not-too-distant future, I'd imagine. That's uh, all uh, a work in progress. Just looking at some of the uh, quotes he's uh, given, speaking to uh, the BBC, he was explaining that um, this... You know, venture, I guess, if you want to call it that, it's also going to give players a platform to speak openly about their mental health struggles and provide them, uh, you know, with a place to turn to in times of need and, and advice or direction where required as well. And they mentioned, you know, Jerry Thompson. Obviously, uh, we all, you know, sadly miss Jerry. I think it would have been his birthday this week as well. 
a young player gone far too soon. And, you know, you, you see things like that happening how at the time football came together. And uh, I guess that's where they want to make sure that they can, you know, have that place to look after the players. So I think it's important that it isn't just, you know, the bread and butter issues, if you like, you know, because everybody probably thinks finances, contracts, etc. first. But um, looking after their mental well-being and also talking about, you know, building relationships with members, connecting people together and, and looking at potentially even educational opportunities um, is, is something which could be as valuable, if not more valuable long term. Yeah, there's a lot there for there's a lot of possibilities there. It's obviously early days and they kind of need to build up their membership and get their structures in place, um, which they're obviously working on at the moment. But like going forward, there's a lot of educational possibilities there. I mean. There's, you know, you could advise players on on their best options in terms of getting involved with coaching, or, or as you say, you could provide seminars on on mental health or, or any other uh, topic that you you wanted to challenge. And obviously, gambling addiction is is a very real problem amongst amongst young. I was going to say footballers, but that's be honest of of young men in their twenties and thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that's something that perhaps um, the PFA could help with or, or provide seminars or information on. Um, I think it'll just be a case of of uh, wait and see because uh, it's obviously very early days in the organisation. But I think everybody in football will, will wish them well. It's uh, like I said at the top, it's it's long overdue. Long overdue indeed. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on the Irish Cup draw because Keith, my goodness, there's been a real change. There has been, yeah. It's, I'm uh, very excited that... about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very minor rule change that um, won't mean anything to most people, but it, it's great news for Bangor uh, in particular. And funny, it's just it's just landed perfectly for them. I, I'll try and explain this rule because I'll, I'll explain the rule the way it was, because it is a slightly complex thing. But essentially, um, senior clubs, their senior clubs in the Irish Cup, the Premiership and Championship clubs are all considered senior, the 24 teams between the two divisions. Any team outside that in the Irish Cup is, is an intermediate club. That includes the PIL or any of the amateur teams. Uh, the way the rule was set up previously uh, was that intermediate clubs could not host Premiership clubs. Now, you might think that's fair enough, but when you consider, for example, Bangor, uh, play at Clandyboy Park, which is also shared by Ords. Um, you had a very strange situation where Bangor could not host a Premiership or Championship team at at Clandyboy Park, but Ards could, uh, which is obviously completely bizarre. Um, the same thing actually applies to Newton and Cliftonville. Newton are a PIL team, but even though they play at Solitude, which would be you know one of the best grounds in the country, they couldn't in theory host. A, a premiership or even a championship team so you know Newton wouldn't be able to host Queen's University which is just you know completely bizarre really isn't it so the IFA have tweaked this rule they haven't I wouldn't say they've scrapped it I would say they, they've tweaked it um, in the sense that it still stands that intermediate clubs cannot host senior clubs unless and this is the caveat the caveat is if they have a championship license um, a championship license is a thing that PIL clubs can apply for to when they're trying to get promoted to the championship. Um, I, I don't know off the top of my head exactly which PIL clubs have and, and who don't, but Bangor are a team who have a championship license, and that means that uh, they can host Premiership and Championship teams. And lo and behold, on Thursday lunchtime, they were drawn at home to Lawrence, so they can host that fixture, which is great news for Bangor. I think it'll... Uh, You'll get a crowd down there of, you know, probably eight or nine hundred fans. Um, that'll be great for Bangor in terms of income, in terms of the profile of the club. It's just, it's a good day for them. Um, so I think it's it's fair play to Bangor because they took this to uh, the Challenge Cup committee and they made their point that the rule wasn't fair. And, and in fairness to the IFA, they've listened and they've tweaked it. Now, listen, if it was up to me, I would I would scrap that rule altogether, and I think that you know whoever comes out of the hat first should be able to host the game regardless. But um, you know this is progress, so I think we'll we'll accept it. Yeah, a step in the right direction, and um, you know as much as I am meant to stay neutral on things, I, I have to be honest and say I think that you should just be able to host the big clubs. It shouldn't matter who you are; you should be able to host the game. And the whole argument of all oh, less supporters might be able to get in, or the pitch might not be as good. Well, so what? You know, if we're meant to believe in the magic of the cup and try not to throw up with that sentence, which has been just marketed to death, if you're meant to believe in the magic of the cup, well, then part of it should be 
my goodness, here come the superstars down to a wee part of the country they don't tend to visit. And do you remember when they played us here? And maybe they won't like it. And maybe there might be an upset. You know, football should be available to everybody and it shouldn't only be played in certain pristine grounds in certain parts of the country and you might even scoff at the idea that the premiership grounds are pristine and maybe fair enough in some cases because we're crying out for funding still clearly nudge nudge but looking at it as it is it's a step in the right direction but i'd like a few more steps yeah absolutely i mean listen i suppose the counter argument to what you're saying there michael is that Perhaps a a small club might not be able to to host a Premiership club, in the sense that they would feel that it's the ground is too small, they wouldn't be able to get enough fans in. Listen, I would always say that if there's a limitation in the amount of fans that you can have in, well, you can always sell tickets. You know, there's there's always ways around it. Um, and I don't think Northern Irish Premiership players are too big time to ever go and play at a an intermediate ground in terms of the changing rooms. Um. Uh, I just don't really see see why any game should be automatically switched. I think it should only really be switched if the home if there's a health a genuine health and safety concerns or if the home team decides that they would rather go to the Premiership ground. You know, just to take an example, there are people might automatically think or Linfield play Oxford Sunnyside, who um, are mid Ulster League side. Now, as that happened, that came out of the hat with Linfield hosting the game, so it was always going to be at Windsor Park. But if we set that aside and just Imagine that Oxford Sunny side came out first. Now that game would automatically be switched to Windsor Park because it would be deemed that Oxford, you know, as an intermediate team, couldn't host the fixture. But you know, if you actually look at it, Oxford Sunny side play at Knockramner Park, which is the former home of Lurgan Celtic, uh, which quite a nice setup. You know, it's nothing too fancy, but. It's probably not that far away from well, what Warren Point have. It I, has a nice stand, and you know. I was like, there could... a couple of years ago when Glen Torren yeah. played there in the Irish Cup. Um, yes, you know, and it was exactly. able to host an Irish Cup game then. Yeah. Yeah. So, so could could Oxford on the side of host Linfield? The answer to that is yes, absolutely. They could. No reason why not. Again, you might need to introduce some sort of ticketing, um, but it could happen. Uh, yeah, I just don't really see any any need for those rules, but. Uh, here we are. At least, at least there's been a tweak in them. Um, I just think that uh, games when, when a, there's nothing quite like an FA Cup game on TV. We all saw. I mean, it wasn't quite as good as it could have been because of of COVID restrictions. But last year when uh, Spurs went to Marine, I mean, that was just a fantastic occasion. Um, we'll never get quite anything quite as dramatic as that. Um, but you know, seeing something like Linfield play at a at a team like Ards Rangers or, or Windmill Stars sometime in the future, you know, that would be quite exciting. That would be, you know, a, a memorable event. When it's at Windsor Park or when it's at the Oval, you know, the small team inevitably loses and, and it just isn't quite as special as it as it could be. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah. something for something for the, the Challenge Cup committee to consider, I think, in the future. Yeah, it, it's certainly something to look at, isn't it? Because it, it does give you that just that extra little feeling of who knows, you know, if you have yeah. to leave your, your your premiership venue and, and you know, track down the country somewhere and all of a sudden it's a, it's a little bit different. The other team has that home advantage that we all like to talk about and, you know, whether uh, not everyone's a believer in it still, despite there being a bit more data on it now with crowds and all the rest of it, you know, having been out for a mm-hmm. while. But um, I just think there is something to that and it's something that should be explored because it's a memory for people in communities which you know we always talk about football being more than just a game you know for people in communities to say oh, i remember linfield or glen Torin or crusaders or cliftonville or whoever came down and played us here and, and why not have that be you know something that then they can aspire to because they've hosted it and they want to try and further themselves rather than always having to get on the bus always having to go to the big venue getting dumped out of the cup almost automatically because you know um the big team with the home advantage it, it's very rarely going to go the other way i just think you have to level the playing field if they're out first they're the home team unless as you say there's a genuine health and safety reason then fine common sense will supersede it but um yeah that's something if our friends in the irish football association are, are listening in today i would love to see uh, looked at for future competitions because i do think it is one thing missing and we're lucky in northern ireland that the irish cup is still so important where the FA Cup has lost a little bit of its shine and wonder, uh, unfortunately, because it's a competition I've always enjoyed. But the Irish Cup, you know, it's something here that we still savour and treasure. So let's make it that bit more special, shall we? And let's let the team first out of the hat host it if they're able to. 
Yeah, absolutely, fully agreed. I mean, I mean, just to give an example there, uh, Dargview play Glentor, and Dargview can host that because they are a championship team anyway. It doesn't need any change of rules. But, but Dargview are probably, I don't think they'd mind me saying this, are probably one of the smallest teams in the championship. It's a big, big day for them hosting Glentor. And it's going to be great. You know, Glentor support going to that a ground they've never been to. Uh, it's a, a two-hour journey, I would say, for them um, in big numbers. I mean, that that's going to be really exciting. Flip that round. If that game's played at the Oval, Glens would win quite comfortably. Um, it wouldn't really be that much of occasion. But at uh, at Dara Park, well, I think it happened. I would still back the Glens to win, but it's certainly a much more interesting tie for being at Derby than it would be uh, if it was at the Oval. Yeah, here, here. Um, we're almost at the end of the program. I'm just going to quickly run through the fixtures. Warren Point Town, Uri City, Glenavon, Crusaders. Oh, Premiership affair. We've been talking about that already on the program. Uh, Dundella against Ards, Linfield against Oxford, Sunnyside, as you've been hearing, Institute, Port Stewart, Ballymena United, Loch Gall, Bangor versus Lauren, Cliftonville versus Isla McGee, Knock Breda against Dungan and Swift, Sturgview, Glen Torren, Ballinamallard against Ards Rangers, Queen's University are home to Newington, Carrick Rangers go to Ballyclare Comrades playing at Dixon Park, Harlanwolf Welders versus Anna United, Coatrain against Windmill Stars and Portadown against Limavady United. Those ties to be played on Saturday the 8th of January. Ties to look forward to. And uh, Keith, as always, a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for coming on to The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. We have run rightly into extra time in this week's programme, but sure, don't you love a wee bit of extra football chat? Uh, just before I go, I want to say a big thank you um, everybody, I think, has been doing the wrapped Spotify stats this week, telling you what you've been listening to and what you've been loving this last year. And we've done ours as well, and it's shown a big increase in followers on Spotify alone. We're up 57%, which is amazing. Uh, 108 of you on Spotify love us more than any other podcast. That's quite good, actually. In your face, Joe Rogan. <laughs> me and 108 people yes we'll take it uh let that number keep going up and apparently we've got uh, friends in lots of places high and low um so much better than Isle Brixey. uh we've got fans in norway now yeah not bad eh hello oslo or wherever you might happen to be tuning in from uh, 57 other countries as well listening to us that's amazing news so uh, thank you for listening whether it be on the radio every week, on the podcast, a mix of both. It doesn't really matter. As long as you're listening, that's good enough for me. So uh, keep enjoying, keep listening, and keep safe too. Until next time, all that remains to be said is enjoy your weekend of sport. Bye-bye.